Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it! Lamar Odom has won it for Rhode Island! In traffic, off-balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell in Rhode Island has done it in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career-high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. Look it up, Dutton. Run out, Rowdy, look out, Oh, steal by Vance Russell off of Young. Three. Don't do it to him like that, Vance. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He ducks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. All righty, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Rowdy Baseline. My name's Andrew, joined by my co-host this week and every week, Gary. We are going to be going over what a special week in roadie hoops. But Gary, one thing I got to ask you before we get into this: what is with us recording and releasing episodes in the middle of a snowstorm? Once again, this week we're up against Mother Nature. She must be a roadie fan, so people can listen, huh? I'm just saying, every time that we record roadie baseline, it's got to be like three or four inches outside, and, and then we start recording it. It doesn't make sense to me at why that happens, but. It is it is a consistent, Andrew. I agree with you on that one. Gives me something to listen to when I shovel, though, so it's kind of nice. If you haven't uh, done so already, make sure to follow us, facebook.com slash Baseline on Twitter, at Baseline, and do make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening to it, and make sure to leave us a five-star rating. Uh, and as always, we, we got a, we, we're finally happy, Andrew. We're finally happy. We are finally happy. But before we jump into it, I do want to give one shout out to all our fans down in Oklahoma, Missouri, Texas area for everything you guys are going through. Love you out of pieces. Hope you guys get through it all and you guys are all staying safe down there. But yeah, Gary, it was it was a it was a great week in roadie hoops. I mean, we had one game and boy was it a great, great game. It was senior night and just like every senior night, it turned into an instant classic. But it sure did not seem like an instant classic. I yeah, it was a little little rough for a little while. Before we get into that, one thing I do want to mention: uh, me and Andrew do want to thank all the fans who listened to last week's episode with Maury. Uh, it broke our all-time uh, listens record for the week. Uh, so shout out to everyone who listened. We appreciate the support. Uh, me and Andrew did not think that when starting the podcast we were going to get this far, and it's it's just really good to see it. Makes me very happy to know that we got the support from you guys. So so shout out to you guys on that. Yes, thank you all very much. And keep in mind that we do have a couple extra surprises coming your way throughout the rest of this season. So keep up those lists and spread the word. And we do our best to bring you all the amazing roadie content that we can. So yes, one game on your rise schedule, a game against the Dayton Flyers on senior night at the Ryan Center. Yeah, it was a great night. And we got to say thank you to our three seniors. Umberto Bruzadon, Jeremy Shepard, Fats Russell, and we can't forget to shout out all the seniors from the URI Cheer and the URI Ramettes and the band. Unfortunately, you guys did not get to have the senior year you guys wanted and being able to be in the Ryan Center, but you guys are also the heart and soul of the program, so we want to give you guys a special shout out as well. But yeah, Gary, it was an up and down game. I mean, things were not going well. Things were not going well. URI was down at the half by six points. I think they got down as many as 10 points in the first half. They just, Dayton looked like the better team. URI was trying, but it just didn't happen. And then 
unfortunately, it even got worse in the second half. URI went down by 18 with nine minutes and 44 seconds to go, and no idea what happened, but they went on a 29 to 11 run. And like I tweeted out, Fats Russell wasn't going out without a fight in his storied career at the University of Rhode Island on that Ryan Center court, and he certainly lived up to it. And it was it was amazing to see. Yeah, this uh, this team. So much improvement. There, there's so much more that we could talk about. We could sit here talking about it the whole episode, but so much more improvement. They did a great job of of shortening the rotation. You know, certain players being out there, less minutes for for most players, uh, keeping people on the bench, and and Cox kind of listening a little bit. So obviously that's great. And then obviously the other thing that I want to talk about is great defense. This team for senior night, they had a rough start. They had a rough time in the second half, but as soon as they started making that run, it's like something clicked in their heads and they were, they were guarding. Well, they were making Dayton turn over the ball and just, it was, it it impressed me and just getting rebounds. And let's put it this way. We all know there there's still work to be done, right? This team still has their struggles. Still had a little bit of a tough time. And, and obviously had a, a close, you know, chance of possibly losing the game at the end uh, of regulation. But they did go through. They played great. The rotation got shortened, which is what needs to be done. Great defense. Amazing scoring from Fats. Scoring from Ishmael Leggett. Malik Martin. Uh, the the list. Mikel Mitchell, too. I, I literally could talk about this whole team. But they just looked really really good and it just it made me happy to see this team just flip the switch and just i have to cut you off there gary they did not they only looked good in overtime in the last nine minutes of the rest of the game other than that it was just a typical game so i'm sorry to disagree with you but the team did not look very good outside of those nine minutes to come back and in overtime other than that it was just a typical uri game from this year and we were all getting aggravated i know it was great to see certain players not play, a la Jalen Carey. Certain players' minutes get cut down, Alan Bertrand, DJ Johnson, Jermaine Harris. There was definitely strides in the game, but if it was a great game, instant classic, and you got to tip your caps off to Fats and Jeremy Shepard for carrying this team in that run to get them back. But And I'll be the first to admit it, his stat line won't jump out at you, but Malik Martin looked like Hassan Martin out there with his energy, his rebounds, his blocks. It was great to see. Good good for the future. But like you said, Gary, the spreading, this was the first game that I can remember all year. We had five guys in double-digit scoring. I don't know if that was, that was probably a byproduct of the game going into double overtime and everybody and the starters' minutes being inflated. But you had two guys with double-doubles with Mikhail Mitchell and Antoine Walker. You had four guys score over, score over fifteen points. If you can get that every game, you're going to win every game. But I think I think the I think the biggest thing everybody needs to take away from this: the team did not look very good in the first half and first half of the second half. But Fats Russell said, "Enough with this." He took over the game like he's done so many times, and him and Jeremy Shepard wanted to win one more game at the Ryan Center. There's one stat line I do want to bring up, Andrew. URI only had nine turnovers the whole game. Nine turnovers. And that's the story of the game right there. I think everybody hit it on the head. If you can get un- in single-digit turnovers, you'll m- more than likely win a game. They were able to keep it in single-digit turnovers, and they were able to come back from the win. I mean, but and don't get me wrong. You or I tried to give the game away a few times at the end, but you got to 
you got to give credit where credit's due in the clutch three-point, the clutch free-throw shooting that you or I had, albeit they didn't shoot very well overall from the free-throw line. But Mikhail Mitchell hit some clutch free-throws at the end of regulation and overtime. Ishmael hit one. Fats had a few. Jeremy Shepard had a few free-throws. So, albeit they still shot 24 of 38 from the free-throw line, it's the numbers may not scream out at you, but the fact that they hit some they hit some clutch ones was pretty big. I'm I'm just gonna say, if Ish does not, you know, obviously we we hope that he has a, a good performance at Uri's next game on Sunday that we're gonna talk about a little later on. But with 18 points for Ish, six of eight shooting from the floor, five for seven from the three point line, that's rookie of the week numbers for me, Andrew. I don't know about you. That's rookie of the number. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you also, and we got to give credit to Dayton here. This was one hell of a game by them. I mean, and I texted you, I was like, Jalen Crutcher was at the free throw line, possibly sent to a third overtime, and I was like, what can we do to get one miss out of Jalen Crutcher? And the basketball gods hurt us. But Mustafa Esmail, you I was able to control him. But the game game of the week, if Ishmael doesn't get rookie of the week, Zimmy Nokoji, sorry if I mispronounce his game, is going to get rookie of the week. He was 9 of 10 from the field. 2 of 2 from the three-point line, 9 of 10 from the free-throw line, 9 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block, 1 steal. He had 29 points. on. He had fouled out, and quite frankly, I don't, if he didn't foul out in that second overtime, I think URI ends up losing this game. Yeah. I also do want to mention, uh, obviously, uh, Dayton's Jordy Chimanga. I'm pronouncing that totally wrong. Uh, did go out of the game uh, early in the second half. Uh, with four fouls, came back in the game, but URI was able to get him his fifth foul at the beginning of the first overtime, uh, which obviously was huge for for keeping him away from the paint and helping out uh, Mikel Mitchell. Uh, obviously, one thing I do want to update fans on, Mikel Mitchell did uh, go down multiple times um, and get hurt, but uh, he is luckily okay, according to his mom on Twitter, uh, that he is actually doing okay, just a little sore. Uh, so there's no worries, luckily, for URI fans. But, yes, URI is able to pull off, break their four-game losing streak, uh, and go past Dayton in double overtime with a 91-89. to One more thing I want to say about this game, Gary. I know we've been talking about it all season and stuff, but I really do think this could be the springboard. I'm not saying it's going to change everything, but you come back from 18 points, you win a game, you win a senior night, your seniors realize that it's really coming to the end. This team's got two games over the next month before the conference tournament starts. They could get some rest. They they have two games that they should win and we're going to be at least double-digit favorites in. So this could be the springboard. They fix a couple things against GW, and VRI could very well be a very dangerous six, seven, eight, or nine seed going into Richmond. And if you can get a healthy Fats, not maybe not so much a healthy Fats, but if you can get Fats to 85%, 90%, Fats could put this team on his back like we've seen so many times over these last four years. Steal a couple games, maybe put the team in NIT position, or hell, maybe shock the world and steal the tournament. But this, I. I'm going to hold my breath on it, but you could very well use this as a springboard to have a great end of the year and a springboard into the offseason in the future of this program. This is what that type of win does. Coming back from 18 points, being able to win the game in double overtime, seeing the effort from the guys who are going to be the future of this team and Malik Martin and Mikhail Mitchell, Ishmael. Like, 
you saw it. Ishmael hit two threes in overtime. He's out there doing the little wave thing, laughing. He's ready to go. He's ready to take over this team. And it's good to see that they're still fighting these guys, even though they've been struggling all year. Yeah, you can all, and obviously you can also see, you know, there's one thing I saw on the, the broadcast, you know, off the bench, Malik Martin was was screaming, cheering for the team. The guys on the bench trying to pump up, pump them up. Like I haven't seen that energy from from this team in a little while, so it is refreshing. And and you're right, Andrew. Obviously, a, a win like this can can propel a team. You know, two easier games coming up. You know, possibly making a run in the A10 tournament. You don't know, right? But this right here is the the win that can can turn the switch around and give this team some momentum, you know, going into the beginning of March. Oh, absolutely. And you did I you did bring up one point about the bench that was that I want I'm glad you brought it up. This was usually you can see on the bench how some of the players like the guys who have been red shirts and that have been like sitting in the back of the bench and stuff. This game I noticed that I think it was Trey Berry who was sitting up next, I think it was next to Coach Sutton, he was talking to Malik Martin in the front row of the bench, and he looked engaged, and I'm just, that makes me excited because maybe he's finally realizing that next year he's going to be getting some of these minutes from Shepard and Fats leaving, and it just, it was nice to see that Trey Berry is getting into it and cheering on the guys, and I know we haven't really talked about the red shirt guys, but I think Trey Berry could be a very, good piece to this program next year. So that was nice to see. So your final score from Kingston on Tuesday night, URI 91, Dayton 89 in double overtime, a win for URI breaking their four game losing streak and a great win for URI uh, and a great game all around. Um, I also do want to bring in, uh, obviously we chatted a little bit about the rotation. Uh, Let's go to David Cox now uh, chatting a little bit about some changes that were made to the rotation. We're a good team, quality team. You know, I had to do a, I had to do some figuring out. I've had to do a better job of, of coaching. Uh, uh, I think we kind of put it all together today, and hopefully we can follow this up and move forward with it. Coming back to that, I, I like the quote, and I kind of don't like the quote. I mean, I like that he's finally realizing that there were mistakes made, and that he needed to, to shrink the rotation and change things, and that a lot of this could be on him. But in my opinion, it's about a month too late. It just, I know we can't go back in time, but what if he realized this a month ago and cut minutes down a month ago? I mean, I know there's injuries and stuff that played a role in all this, but you got to wonder if this all changed a month ago. And and don't get me wrong, I love the article from Maury, but how much do you want to think that it was fans pressuring, pressuring him into changing this stuff? I mean, I don't know. It's just, in my opinion... Glad that he did it, but maybe a little too late. Who knows? If in March 16th, my birthday comes around and URI is playing in Indianapolis in the first round, I'll say I was wrong. Dave Cox did it great, and he's the next Bill Belichick. But as of right now where I stand, this is about a month too late in my opinion, Gary. Yeah, I mean, I I like the quote. I think that obviously it's still, you know, should have been changed way before and taking a lot of pressure from us, you know, obviously to change that quote is a little rough, but I do feel that maybe a change is good. You know, maybe it's not too late. It's just going to be, you know, climbing uphill, an uphill battle at this point uh, going into March for URI. Uh, but obviously with senior night just happening, you know, obviously me and Andrew wish that we could be there. Just happy that the uh, the cheerleaders and the 
Ramettes could be at the arena. We want to dive in a little bit to one of our seniors, senior that we've gotten to know over the last four years who has played for URI, uh, and that being uh, the one, the only, Fats Russell. Yeah, yeah, but before we get into Fats Russell, don't get me wrong, we love Shepard, we love Umberto, it's just, A, we didn't get to see either of them play live, and they weren't here for the four years, they haven't done what Fats has done, and Fats is one of our, Was he was he was a freshman in my senior year at URI, um, Fats Russell has put this program on the map, changed it, he has gave us so much memory, so we wanted to do a little bon voyage to Fats, since after the game, Fats did say that that was his last game at the Ryan Center, so he'll be foregoing his year that he could have come back. But Fats, one of the greats to come through this program, and there's been a lot of them with Katino Mobley, Tyson Wheeler, Lamar Odom, Jared Terrell, E.C. Matthews, Frank Keeney. But, yeah, so, so as of right now, he still has a couple of games left, so he could he could go on the uh, – could. Blow us, blow us away and have some ridiculous stat line at the end. But as of right now, Fats Russell is one of two players to have 1,500 points. He has 1,545 points, so 1,600 is still in the realm of possibility. He has 200 steals. He's the all-time leader in steals now in the for the program history. 350-plus assists and 300 rebounds. For a 5'11 guard to get 300 rebounds, it's pretty damn good, Gary. I know I can't get that much, and I'm I'm five seven, so we'll take we'll we'll take that for what it's worth. I'd out rebound Fats any day at six three. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Fats Russell has done so much for this program. You know, being a freshman and, and kind of for a size, and you know, coming off the bench his first year, and then you know, being able to start the next three. He he's done so much for this program, and it's not just on the on the court, Gary. Off the court, I couldn't count on the amount of times I'd get to the arena. And he'd sign autographs for the young fans. You'd see him around campus. You could talk to him. He's just one of those guys that whenever you walk into a room, lights it up, and he's going to be missed around the Kingston area. And always had a smile on his face. Those cheeks, those fat, those fat baby cheeks, always <laughs> put a smile on everybody. So, so obviously with with Fats uh, having his senior day, we want to get into Fats's top five moments at URI. Uh, and obviously, these are very, very judged by myself and Andrew. Uh, but this is the Rody Baseline Top 5 Fats Moments. Yeah, and if, if you guys have any mo- any of the moments special, we'll probably post it on Twitter. If any of you guys have some special moments out there, feel free to uh, tweet at us. We'll start a poll. Maybe, get, maybe we can have a nice trip down memory lane. You guys got video of it? Post it and... We can all get teary-eyed together while we shovel out from the snowstorm. I like I like that, Andrew. All right, let's go with let's go with five. Number five. I know it's it's a recent one, but it, I just think it's everybody's underestimating how big of a win it actually was. I'm putting the date in double overtime win this past week as his top one of his top moments. He was hurt. He put the team on his back. Finished with 20 points. Got the assists. He just did everything that this team needed to do to win, and nothing will ever get, nothing will ever really hit me more than seeing that as CBS was getting ready to cut away, him kissing the RI logo at the end of the game. So that just tells you he laid, he literally laid everything he had on the court to win that final game and come back from the 18 points. And I fat that was just typical fats going out there putting the team on his back. May not have had the best shooting night, but hell. He wasn't leaving that court last night without a win, and I think everybody on that team would have followed him through a brick wall to get him that W. I agree. All right. 
so for number four, we're going to go with uh, 2018, uh, the Fats Russell 3 versus Harvard uh, to put URI ahead and win the game eventually for URI. Uh, Fats Russell was having a rough night shooting. I think he missed every three-pointer that night, uh, except for the last one that meant the most. Actually, Gary, he went one of nine from three leading up into that game, leading up into that shot. And I remember it. We were both in our section, and we both looked at each other and go, Fats is going to get the shot, and we're going to lose this game. We're going to lose this game, and we're all going to be pissed and all that stuff. And he pulled up right next to David Cox right there, pulled the trigger on that three, and he made it. And I'm pretty sure after the game, Cox said that the play wasn't drawn up for Fats, which was kind of which was kind of cool after the fact, but. That was just, I think that was when everybody knew that Fats had the clutch gene. He could be shooting the worst he's ever shot, and he had that clutch gene, and he took care of us. So that was that was that was number four for us. Number three is the breakout party. I think his freshman year, first time we had beat PC, you know, at the universe at the at the Ryan Center in seven years, and that was one loud arena when Fats was going off. Yep. Definitely. Uh, URI was up on a 13-0 run, uh, and Fats Russell steals the ball, heads, you know, gets the ball passed from JT wide open and dunks it and just breaks out his, you know, muscles to the, the student section, and the place just erupted. And I, I, I still remember just just the – and then JT kind of shoves him down, and then they go back. Oh, that was like – it was so loud, and then obviously there's a foul, but I remember then I think it goes went right into the timeout, and that place was so loud. So definitely, I agree with you, Andrew. Number three is definitely that. Oh, yeah, I, I think I think everybody just – that was one – oh, that was – it was my senior year. It was first time we'd beaten PC, especially after the last time PC had been down here with the whole Chris Dunn fiasco at the end of the game. It was so nice to see Fats. And I think that's when everybody knew Fats was special – and Fats had, I think Fats during that week was like, he didn't realize how important that the the rivalry game was to the fans, and you could tell he loves interacting with the fans after that game when he was going crazy, and he came to Fats's uh, chant, "This is our state." So, yeah, that was a great one. Hopefully, we get another PC win next year, but that's besides the point. Uh, and then uh, getting into number two, which I'm not gonna lie to you guys, me and Andrew had discussed this. It was. Uh, it was really tough to try to figure out which one should be two and which one should be one. But but one number one has to be significant, so we have to leave it there. Uh, number two is going to have to be uh, Fats putting up 41 points uh, in his uh, hometown of uh, Philly, Pennsylvania, against St. Joe's uh, in a game that we were we were having a tough time. The game went overtime, and Fats put the team on his back and just went berserk. Yeah, it was it – was, he was back home in – Philly, he was doing Philly proud. I, yeah, he went he went crazy that night. He had his high school teammates there, his high school coaches. Place was packed with URI fans, and he literally put the team on his back and carried them to a win. He was seven of thirteen from three, twelve of twenty four from field goal range, four rebounds, three steals, three assists. He just he just did everything. And I remember that game. I was like, there's no way he's gonna get forty. No way he gets forty, and sure enough, he got forty, and it was it was one of the first times in at least like 15, 15 20 years that you or I had a forty plus point score in a game, and boy oh boy was it a special game to watch. Oh, that was it was amazing. That was a that was a great game. 
Uh, but yes, that 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 leads us to number one, Andrew. Yes, number one, and Gary and I were lucky enough to be in the arena for this number one, and I'll get into it afterwards. But there's somebody else who can say it so much better than I can. Come on back with us. Let's take a tr- drive down memory lane. Oh, steal by Fats Russell off of Young. Three. I just want to say that after that happened, me and Andrew were in the upper section of PPG Paints Arena. We were in the first row, and I'm pretty sure me and Andrew almost knocked each other over the first row and falling down. I will say that I we've been to a lot of games in a nat in a neutral site arena. I don't know if it was all the roadie fans, but I have never been in an arena that loud for a neutral site game. The building was shaking. It was insane. Even like that game was had so many ups and downs. I was wearing my Apple Watch that game. My heart rate, whoever was tracking it over in China must have been like, what the hell is this kid doing? <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. You had the JT3 from the logo. You had the EC Matthews 3 and then the steel. And nothing like seeing that bald-spotted weirdo Trey Young crying after the game after he lost that and. Fats Russell's that steal that that moment right then and there. I'll I'll never forget it. Jeff Doughton banging on the scorer's table. Dan Hurley turning around, pointing at all the roadie fans. The roadie 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 chant. Remember we had some uh, we had some Duke fans that were sitting in our in our little section because the way that was divided up, that was Duke section for the game too, because they were the game before us. The Duke fan one one of the Duke fans looked at me and goes. God almighty, we're in trouble come on Saturday. And it was, and that was one of the loudest times I ever had. We had people from all the other schools cheering for URI. Nobody really wanted Oklahoma to win. And it was the first game of the tournament, and it made for a great tournament. And I'm so glad that Gary and I were lucky enough to be there. Yeah, just just great moments all around on, on everything. And obviously, we, you know, those five moments are amazing, but there's others. There's tons of moments that Fats has kept us in the game. The West Virginia game, the the West Virginia game at Mohegan, the VCU game last year in the tournament. Like, just there's so many that can't. The VCU, the VCU, the VCU game at VCU last year. There's so many moments that we could totally talk about, but I do think that his final Ryan center moment being the win over Dayton is, is great. And I think that that's a a perfect way to, to leave your legacy at the Ryan center. Uh, And you know, he, this is what fats had to say at the end of the game Uh, and shout out to Maury for asking him the, the really tough question. It's like my second home. Honestly, um, I found, I found a home here on Kingston, Rhode Island. I feel the love. Um, me and Coach Cox been together for four years. He's been my head coach for three. I mean, it just means a lot. I just want to finish this. I just want to give my all, um, everything that I have left, um, just for this program. You know, I've been banged up a lot this year. Um, still battling through um, little things. So I'm just going to go out there for the rest of this year and just give it all. I mean, hopefully that, that you know, comes with a A-10 tournament championship. But, um, Worst come to worst, my, you're going to see me give my heart and my um, my everything for this game, these last couple of games. I just, want to, I just want them to know that, you know, through the pain and through everything, that I'm, I'm still coming out here and 
putting on this jersey, wearing Rhode Island, and um, going out there fighting for this for this program, for my team, for Coach Cox, um, every given night. Way to hit me in the feels, Fats. Way to hit me in the feels. I swear I wasn't going to get emotional, but, I mean, these last four years that Fats has given us for the University of Rhode Island basketball, it means a lot more for us who grew up in Rhode Island, who saw this team struggle in the early 2000s, in the 2010s, and to finally have this program being stable enough where you can have legends like Fats Russell come in and lead us to hopefully another legend in Ishmael Leggett. But Fats Russell, like you said, you have a home in Kingston. You better come back and visit. We love you to pieces, man. I know we had a lot of ups and downs with stuff with you missing shots and struggling, but through it all, you're just like you said when you came in four years ago. You're going to be clutch. You're going to give us your all, and you're going to be one of the best players to ever put on the Rhode Island jersey. And I think the way that you left that court on Tuesday night, kissing the kissing the logo, just embodied it. And like they say, you like the fight song says, you're Rhode Island born, you'll be Rhode Island dead, and you bleed that Keeney blue, you bleed that Keeney blue, Fats, and we'll miss you. Yeah. Uh- you, you got me in my feels, Andrew. I, I mean, Fats Russell is going to be etched in Rhode Island history for a long time. And we, we've we been lucky enough to, to be able to see him play. And he, he's done a lot. And you know what? To anybody who, who feels as though, you know, he hasn't done well this year or had a tough two years, look at the bigger picture because you're never going to see anyone just like Fats Russell. Ishmael may be close, but Fats is Fats. And Fats will always be Fats. I saw a poll on Twitter about put, retiring some numbers for the URI men's basketball program. And you you have a real argument that Fats is number one, should be up there. And I completely agree with it. Fats is a generational talent. And all the best to him in the future. Just come back and visit us, Fats. But with that, it is uh, now time for our Around the A-10 segment, uh, where we give you tons of news around the A-10. Uh, Andrew, what do we got this week going on? We got a got, not not big. We're going to we're gonna start off with our usual players of the week. You got Tyler Golick, the roadie boy from George Mason, getting your rookie of the week. Jor- Jalen Attaway and Jordan Goodwin are your co-players of the week. There's still no news on how the seeding is going to work for the A-10 tournament. I think they're trying to wait and see how things shape out. All I know is URI better not get screwed over with them playing the most games in the conference so far, Um, which also leads me into a nice little tidbit of information that Gary and I picked up on. In the entire conference, VCU, Rhode Island, and LaSalle are the only three teams that have played over 20 games. So hats off to those three programs for doing everything right and being able to play their full schedule and only having minimal postponements. As of right now, there are only two programs that are paused, which are Fordham and UMass. Your top 10 A-10 standings as of February 18th, 2021 is VCU, Davidson, UMass, the Bonnie, St. Louis, Richmond, Duquesne, Dayton, Rhode Island, and George Mason. And your bubble watch to round out the news around the A-10. In your first four out is St. Louis and Richmond. Your last four in is St. Bonaventure, which means that VCU is in the tournament as our automatic qualifier. As for the local teams, Providence is off the bubble even further with another loss at UConn. You have the Bryant Bulldogs are also still not back from their COVID pause, so they are 
not looking so hot to get the automatic qualifying bid. Um, Yukon is in the tournament for those who care about Yukon. They are actually Yukon is in the first four out as well, even though they did just beat Providence. Your four number one seeds are Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Ohio State. And for all those who are big college basketball fans and maybe a Michigan fan, if you know one like myself, there is a big, big, probably one of the games of the year in college basketball on Sunday afternoon, right after the URI game, the Michigan-Ohio State game. Not only will that probably decide a number one seed in the tournament, that'll probably decide who wins the Big Ten and could be a preview. But, yeah, that's your look around the A-10 and the NC. And, Andrew, I don't mean to interrupt you, but actually we have some breaking news that just released as we're recording our episode. Uh, so, uh, as per the A-10 Twitter and also the A-10 website, uh, the A-10 tournament for the men's tournament has been moved to, to March 3rd through 6th. And the women's championship has been moved to a week later. Uh, that's going to be played on March 10th to the 14th. Uh, but... The men's final will be played Sunday, March 14th at 1 p.m. at Dayton. So still those games are still going to be played at Richmond and VCU for the first and semifinals will be played at VCU. Uh, and then the Siegel Center and the Robin Center will host second round and quarterfinal games. Um, but obviously the women's tournament doesn't uh, change that as well. Um, also do want to mention to you, Andrew, that the seating policy has been announced, which is, cr- which is, which is crazy. <laughs> yes, it has Gary. And yeah, I'm going to read this directly from the article. So everybody grab your pen and pencil. And if you know a nerd, get them in your living room to try and help us figure this out. Gary and I are reading this. We're recording at seven Oh six. The article was literally released at six, six So we're all in the same boat right now. We have many questions to get answered, and we'll be here with you right through the end. So this is what the seating process will be straight from the article. Teams above 60% of the median number of conference games played by all 14 teams will be seated by conference winning percentage. Teams below that 60% threshold will be seated using the NCAA net ranking relative to all A-10 teams. Additionally, teams below the 60% threshold will not be eligible for the regular season title. One thing, if I'm reading that correctly, URI's net ranking is going to... URI's non-conference schedule could play a big factor yep. in this, Gary. And and that threshold of 60% uh, could mean a big deal to, to teams like St. Louis that have been on a pause uh, and weren't able to play some of their games. So... I will tell everybody right now that myself and Andrew are very, very confused. Um, on- and judging by what I'm seeing on Twitter right now, everybody is confused. So there might be a chance your eye still gets a double buy. Who knows? <laughs> um, but that also uh, leaves a lot of questions. Uh, but we can jump into our, our game preview. Uh, so URI does have one game happening on Sunday against George Washington. Uh, that game. And before we get into the George Washington game, since this the tournament did get moved and URI is supposed to have a game March 2nd, there's been no news related to that game being moved yet. We are assuming that game is going to get moved. It is against St. Joe's. It could get moved. It could get canceled. Things are very fluid, and just pay attention to our Twitter as things become more clear. But, yes, we do have, we definitely have a game on Sunday to prepare for. 
So, yes, you do want to make sure to follow us at Roadie Baseline. We're recording this on Thursday, and it's going to get released on Friday. So the situation right now is super, super fluid. Uh, so we're not sure what is going on with URI's schedule. Uh, but, yes, there is still a game URI has on Sunday, a rescheduled game against the George Washington Colonials. Uh, that game happening at GW at 1130 a.m. Uh, broadcast on NBC Sports Network. Yeah, GW. I'm a little annoyed, though. I mean, I get the game got rescheduled, but why isn't this game at the Ryan Center? But that's besides the point. I don't get why. The game was originally supposed to be a home game. But anyway, GW still sucks. They're 3-9, and 2-3 and three in conference play. They're coming off a lengthy COVID pause. They had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. A lot of games postponed. Um, they're in the same boat as URI or as a lot of the other teams. They're, they're, we're going to be their first game coming back from the COVID pause. They played a weak non-conference schedule. They have a few good players. Jameer Nelson Jr., for all those who, who know, it's the son of NBA All-Star Jameer Nelson, who did go to St. Joe's, which he, Jameer Nelson Jr. was a St. Joe's recruit, but when they fired Phil Martelli, he decommitted and committed to George Washington. Um, on paper, this team's not really that good. I mean, they have four guys who average 10 points a game couple of rebounders, nobody who really can shoot the three with any consistency. Um, they score about 72 points a game, give up 73. They shoot 33% from the three, 45% from the field, 70% from free throws. They average 35 boards a game, average 14.9 turnovers a game. So it could be a turnover party over there on Sunday morning in the nation's capital. Maybe Joe Biden will come over and, catch up some college basketball after church who knows but uh yeah it should be it should be a uri blowout and get them ready for the tournament that is now about 15 days away gary yeah i so much uh, for having a month off huh i'm i'm not gonna lie to you and i'm not gonna lie to the listeners um i am slightly confused i am unsure now and i i feel like this is not gonna benefit uri in some way um, I don't know what our schedule. I don't know what our schedule is going to look like, but I, it, you know, me personally is. I wonder how much of this tournament getting moved is money related. It could be. I mean, I think that TV and all that I, stuff. I think I because this is the first tournament that's got moved up a week. Yeah, so. I think that. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, obviously, I'm hoping that URI doesn't have to play St. Joe's because I feel like that's not going to benefit them uh, to have a game, but. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with the schedule. Uh, I'm not sure why the A-10 decided to release this at 6.45 at night. That's still confusing me and mind-boggling myself on here. But URI has to focus on the GW game on Sunday. Obviously, I think that spread's going to go into double digits. But GW is still not a team that you do want to look at the wrong way. You know, we said that against Fordham, and URI barely squeaked a win out against them. So obviously this team is still getting into the the swing of things, but we obviously hope that URI can can win against GW Sunday, 1130 on NBC Sports Network, and hopefully be able to prepare for the uh, Atlantic Den Tournament at this point, uh, just in general, because I feel like now it's only, well, how many days did you say, Andrew? 13? 7, 8, 9, 
10, 11, 12, 13 days out, Gary. 13 days out. 13 days out from the Atlantic 10 tournament. Uh, so we will have to see, like I said before, make sure to follow us at Roadie Baseline to keep up with all the uh, tournament news because we will keep you updated there as well. Uh, but with that, it is now time for everybody's favorite segment. It is time for Andrew's Hot Take. Andrew, what do we got? I have a disgusting hot take, and quite frankly, the NCAA should be ashamed that this is happening. I know a lot of you saw it. We retweeted it, and it's a problem that I think it's just the beginning. There's Jeff Goodman tweeted out earlier this week that he got an email from a Fordham women's basketball player senior that they only went on a COVID pause because of the financial impact of playing this season has on the team. None of their players have tested positive for COVID-19. In my opinion, personal opinion, this is a disgrace to not only those players, but to college basketball as a whole. And if one team gets away with this, you're telling me there's not going to be teams all across this country who know they have no shot at winning their conference tournament, especially if they keep changing and all this stuff, that they're not going to cut their program short. And not for nothing. It's not like the Fordham women's team is having a terrible year. They're one of the favorites in the A-10. And from a fan standpoint, I want another Fordham URI women's game. But if this is if this is just the beginning, the NCAA needs to step in. This is this is not fair to the the players. This is not fair to the fans and the integrity of college basketball. I mean, I get that we're in the middle of a pandemic and health comes first, but it should not be at the cost of money. I mean, it's just embarrassing, and I feel for the players, and I really hope that no teams, no other teams take take this course of action and skip out on their conference tournaments based off money if you have to skip it because of a coronavirus thing or that that's fine but if you take if you skip your conference tournament because you're scared of a bad loss or you're scared of the financial impacts you should be ashamed you should be suspended you your coach your athletic director thing there needs to be some severe penalties if that happens and it's just it's sad to see yeah apparently uh obviously more news has come out uh since before we tweeted this a couple of days ago. So the reason that they are on pause and the Fordham men's team is also on a pause uh, is due to widespread COVID cases happening around the campus. Um, but there is a lot of news saying that that is not the case and that is not the reason uh, why they are shut down. Uh, apparently, the Fordham women's team has been tested over 1,400 times in total. And they have not had one positive case. And this Fordham women's team, myself and Andrew watched that women's game against URI. These teams are going back and forth. Fordham was able to pull out the win. They did beat URI at home as well as at URI. But I I know that myself and other people are looking forward to seeing them in the Atlantic 10 women's tournament and a rematch of this game because it was such a intense and high game and these girls don't deserve it so I would make sure if you haven't done so already check out our Twitter uh, we tweeted a couple days ago from Jeff Goodman uh, and signed the petition uh, via change.org to allow these girls to be able to play get back from their pause and and make a run in these Atlantic 10 women's tournament because they deserve it and this is not a standard that should be set out especially with with hearing about other teams and how people potentially are, are thinking of skipping their conference tournaments altogether. It's a bad look all around, and it, in the end, it's just going to be a domino effect all around the NCAA. And my thing is, you've gotten you've gotten all the way to February. You've already spent the money on these 1,400 tests that you said, in this case in particular. I'm sure all these other schools have done the testing and all that stuff. What's the difference between two more weeks and now? Like, 
these kids these kids have given you so much over the last four years it's just it's disheartening to see and again it raises the question of how much people actually care about the student athlete they give you so much to your school and we don't give them crap they make money off your images and your likeness but and it and it just it's just gonna go to show that these kids are gonna skip college they're gonna go to the nba g league they're gonna go overseas and at this rate i can't blame them so Hats off to Fordham for getting the word, the Fordham women's team for getting the word out. Hopefully, there's not more schools out there. And personally, maybe Gary and I will step in. We'll we'll let the ladies come over and play. We'll we'll find them a lead. They can come play us. We'll probably yeah, get smoked, but we'll get smoked. <laughs> I agree. With I just on that one, Andrew. Hats off to Jeff Goodman for not hiding behind the story and getting it out there and doing a service to those girls. Like he, yeah, and he and he's not the only one. I know that Barstool Sports also retweeted it. I've seen a couple retweets on it, so the word is definitely getting around uh, for these girls. But they deserve to play. There is no reason why they shouldn't be allowed to play. Case and point. But with that, that is the end of episode ten of Rudy Baseline. Remember to keep up with our Twitter for updates on the Atlantic Ten tournament. Uh, URI does have a game Sunday. Game is at eleven thirty on NBC Sports Network. We will chat with you guys next week with some updates on what's going on around the A Ten. But as always, stay safe and go, Rudy. Rudy.